my heart be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. When Joel first sent out the fall preaching schedule, I told him I would be traveling August the 25th through August the 29th and probably shouldn't try to preach today. Then I read the text appointed for this Sunday and changed my mind. I mean, how can you resist a chance to preach on a text like Ecclesiastes 10, 10, and 11? Today's king is tomorrow's corpse. When a man dies, he comes into an inheritance of maggots and vermin and worms. Could it be made more clear that no matter how great you are or think you are, you're going to die? and be eaten by maggots, vermin, and worms. Not a pretty picture, but the image is hard to erase. True, Ecclesiasticus is apocryphal, not part of the biblical canon for, for Protestants, but it is useful for instruction and wisdom and helpful to the reader. Ecclesiasticus is similar in content to the book of Proverbs. What has man to be so proud of? He is only dust and ashes. So writes the author of Ecclesiasticus in verse 9 of today's text. To the creator belongs the glory. He made us from the dust of the earth. We have nothing to be proud of. Rome once ruled the known world, but by the fourth century of the Christian era, the Goths and other barbarian tribes had crossed the Rhine River and had not been expelled or subjugated. By the end of the fifth century, Rome wielded very little power, military, political, or financial. The Pax Romana came to an end. It didn't happen suddenly, but slowly over time, the result of corruption and the failure of leadership. The defeat of the Spanish Armada in 1588 under the reign of Elizabeth I established Great Britain as the ruler of the seas. Over the next several hundred years, it became evident that the sun never sets on the British Empire. Former British colonies are now scattered around the world, but most of them are just that, former colonies of a once mighty nation. Admittedly, as a small island nation, England wields a great deal of influence even today. But the once united kingdom is now divided and spread around the globe. The United States of America is the world's largest economy and has the strongest military the world has ever seen. Let me be clear. I am a patriot, a former naval officer. I love our nation and our flag. But Ecclesiasticus warns us empire passes from nation to nation because of injustice, insolence, and greed. Injustice, insolence, and greed could cause our great nation to go the way of Rome or of Great Britain. We must be on our guard against evil and negligence. You may stand to my political left or you may stand to my right, but as Christians, I think we can agree that blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Have we forgotten God? What is our inheritance? The origin of pride, injustice, and violence is sin, and sin leads to self-destruction, to utter disaster, to the fall of men and nations. 
All memory of them vanishes from the earth, says Ecclesiasticus. But Psalm 112 says, the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. So who are we? Are we proud, unjust, insolent, greedy, and violent? Or are we righteous? Are we fallen and forgotten? Can we be redeemed? Will we be remembered? What is our inheritance? In just a few minutes, we will confess our sin in these words. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. In Hebrews 13, which April read just a few minutes ago, the writer exhorts the church to let brotherly love continue. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unawares. Remember those who are in prison as though in prison with them, and those who are mistreated, since you also are in the body. Let, the marriage, let marriage be held in honor among all, and let the marriage bed be undefiled, for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterous. Keep your life free from love of money and be content with what you have. Beloved, I stand accused and guilty before a holy God. Are there any among us here today who can appeal to personal righteousness before the judge of all the earth? No, I think not. We need that confession and the absolution that follows. We need the saving grace that flows from the cross of Jesus Christ. Without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. As John tells us in his first epistle, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he, that is Jesus, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Again, I call your attention to Ecclesiasticus. Today's king is tomorrow's corpse. When a man dies, he comes into an inheritance of maggots and vermin and worms. This is the fate, the inheritance of fallen mankind. Alive today, worm food tomorrow. Yuck. We have looked briefly at the first three of our appointed readings for today. As we turn now to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verse 1, and then verses 14 to, excuse me, 7 to 14, <clears throat> we will seek to answer one question. Is there a better inheritance for the man or woman who places his or her trust in the cross of Christ? What is our inheritance? Is it better than maggots and vermin and worms? It was a Sabbath day, and Jesus was invited to a feast by a leader of the Pharisees. Jesus observes the behavior of others invited to the feast and the one who invited him. He tells two parables, one addressed to those invited, one addressed to his host. To those invited, Jesus says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, 
Do not sit down in the place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when the host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Note that Jesus makes the parable about a wedding feast. He doesn't accuse them of scrambling for a position at this feast, but speaks of a hypothetical wedding feast. Jesus does not condemn, but he exhorts. Those who are alert, in our current vernacular, we would say those who are woke, will, doubt, will no doubt understand his meaning. There was somewhat of a complicated system of table etiquette in Jesus' day. It involved a number of tables, each of which sat three guests. The guest seated in the center of each table was the most honored at that table. Even today, there is etiquette regarding the seating of honored guests. The most honored guest should be seated at the right hand of the host. For good or ill, we're losing our sense of showing honor to people of standing in our community. That Jesus addressed the table etiquette of the Jewish culture should not come as a surprise to anyone. But we should also see that he is speaking at another level. Luke tells us this is a parable. So we must understand that Jesus is speaking in kingdom terms of genuine humility before God and man. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. That is the lesson to be learned. As Paul wrote to the Roman church, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. Clearly, Paul knew the teaching of Jesus. And Paul certainly understood the character of our Lord Jesus Christ. He wrote to the church in Philippi, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Paul holds out the character of Jesus as a model for our humility. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. That is what Jesus says to those invited to the feast. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, 
and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Would you be exalted? Then humble yourself. A friend with whom I worked before seminary used to say, humility is standing as tall as you can in the presence of God, all the while realizing your unworthiness. If you think you are worthy, you probably are not. When I celebrate the Eucharist before the prayers of consecration, you will see me pound my chest three times and say to myself, Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, I'm not worthy. Lord, I'm not worthy. I need to be reminded that there is but one who is worthy at this table, the one who instituted this rite. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Would you be exalted into heaven? Then humble yourselves before Almighty God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the one who invites you to come to the Lord's Supper, to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Now Jesus tells a second parable. Speaking to his host, he says, when you give a dinner or a banquet, do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. Note the, trans, the word translated brothers here means siblings and can therefore be translated brothers and sisters. Clearly, Jesus does not mean that we should not never invite family and friends to dinner. He is addressing our motives. Do not invite your friends or your brothers and sisters or your relatives or your rich neighbors lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. The key word is lest. You should not invite people to dinner in order that they feel obligated to return your, the favor and invite you to dinner in their home. You should instead invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you. Again, Jesus addresses our behavior in this life, but with eternal consequences. If your motives are to be repaid in this life, you put at jeopardy your eternal reward. If you seek to meet the needs of those who cannot repay you in this life, then you will be repaid in the resurrection of the just. Both parables, one addressed to those invited to the feast and the one addressed to the host, end with a promise. To those invited to the feast, Jesus promises, he who humbles himself will be exalted. To the host, he promises, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. What does that exaltation look like for those invited to the feast? What does that repayment look like for the host? Remember that our goal is to answer this question. Is there a better inheritance for the man or woman who places his, his or her trust in the cross of Jesus Christ? Paul wrote to the Ephesians, In him, that is, in Christ, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who are the first to hope in Christ 
might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance. What is that inheritance? Paul continues, the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. If we are in Christ, then we are seated with him at the right hand of the Father, a position of honor. I have titled this sermon An Invitation to Sermon to Supper because I see in the promises of the two parables a prelude to Jesus' invitation to the Lord's Supper and to the marriage supper of the, Lord, of the Lamb. Matthew gives an account of the institution of the Lord's Supper. It goes like this. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread and after blessing it, break, broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink of it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Until the day that I drink of it new with you in my Father's kingdom. With you. Jesus invites his disciples to join with him in the Lord's Supper. And he also invites them to that eschatological feast in his Father's kingdom. This is clearly a promise of an inheritance at the resurrection of the just. John writes in the Revelation, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Beloved, if you know Jesus as Lord and Savior, you are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Is there a better inheritance for the man or woman who places his trust, his or her trust, in the cross of Jesus Christ? Yes. In a few minutes, you will be invited to the table of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the Lord's Supper, to share in the communion of saints in light to the foreshadowing of the marriage supper of the Lamb. You will hear these words, the gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. You will, you will come to receive your inheritance, not as sinners, but as the bride of Christ, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Come to the Lord's Supper. Come to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Humble yourself before Almighty God and come. The inheritance is yours. Come. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.